Hello and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blog cast. This is episode 237 and my name is Emily Rainbow Davis. Hello. We are three plays away from 10,000 plays on this podcast. Three. One, two, three. I'm currently at 9,997 plays on this podcast because for some reason, I don't know why, not a lot of people wanted to listen to the podcast about snot. I, it's so weird, right? Uh, anyway, maybe it'll get like so many views later. That sometimes happens actually. Like some, some podcast that I think is just never going to fly like months down the line. I suddenly discovered that it has a lot. For example, uh, I recorded uh, the podcast that was about SpongeBob SquarePants, the musical. I believe it is called Art Entertainment and SpongeBob SquarePants, the musical. Anyway, that one went nowhere. But then I checked on SoundCloud and there were 250 plays. That was maybe last year. I don't know what it is right now. So you just, I just don't know. You never know. There may come a moment. In any case, by the time you listen to this, unless you're one of the first three listeners of this episode, I will have hit 10,000. So thank you. <laughs> you if you're one of the three thank you. If you're one of the after three, also thank you, because then I'm after 10,000. Like either you, you got me there or you got me there before probably, because maybe there's not a lot of new listeners lately. Could be though. Hi, welcome if you're new and also welcome if you've been here before. Thanks. Um, yeah. So we have a new president, which um, I still don't believe, even though I, I believe it, but I don't feel it yet, you know? Like, I, my nervous system is still on high alert. So I, we'll see when I actually believe what's actually happening, the actual truth. I mean, I know it's happening. It's just my nervous system does not know it's happening. My nervous system is like, we have been on high alert for the last five years. We cannot stop now. We cannot. I mean, of course we can. We can. We will. Eventually. It's just going to take a minute. Right? Yeah. So today's blog is uh, about Gen X. And I will say this blog, I think, happened because I had uh, someone send me a really nice donation for the end of the year and specifically said that she appreciated the Gen X content. And I was like, well, if you like Gen X content, <laughs> have I got something for you? Um, it, you know, it's not specifically for her, but I think it just was like, it gave me the permission that I needed to like actually write this piece. I'd been thinking about it, but I hadn't really, I, you know, there's a Sometimes I think, have I gone, have, is, are people not, do they want to know about Gen X stuff? Uh, so knowing that somebody really did and, and sent me money to tell me is, um, it, 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 that's why this one happened. 
So um, thanks to that person. And uh, it, yeah, so I didn't, this was one of those things where, where I sort of wrote it and discovered it as I was writing it. I'd been sitting with the questions for a little while and I feel like when I sat down to write it, that's when I answered some of them for myself. Um, so it's called Gen X and the Deadly Virus, which I feel has some kind of like Harry Potter soundingness to it. Like there's like it's going to be an adventure. <laughs> Gen X and the Deadly Virus. Uh, it's a little, little more cheerly. It's a little more cheerful than we would like, perhaps. But Gen X and the Deadly Virus, maybe. I don't know. It's an adventure. Anyway, here it is. Gen X and the Deadly Virus. There's an article about Gen X thriving in these pandemic times that came out back in March when the lockdown started and has been making the rounds again recently. I haven't read it since it came out, but I remember it as we've been training to sit at home alone eating Pop-Tarts our whole lives. We're built for this. If I remember correctly, it spoke to Gen X's ability to stay home and keep ourselves busy. Our time to shine at home with Pop-Tarts. But I've been thinking about this and thinking about this silly tweet that the city of New York put out last summer where they admonished Gen X for the numbers of cases going up when it was clear that they did not know who Gen X was. Did they confuse Gen X with Gen Z? On the chart, Gen X lines were sharply going in the right direction. Gen X COVID cases were the lowest on the diagram. I haven't seen a lot more evidence in this territory, but anecdotally, it would seem that Gen X generally has not been hit quite as hard by COVID as other generations, both older and younger. If it's true, I'm sure the reasons are complex. Maybe we have more of the kinds of jobs we can do from home. Maybe we're in a weird safe age bubble. But I suspect that Gen X just generally does a pretty good job of staying the fuck at home. Why? Why? Why do I think this? I think we heard there was a deadly virus, and the way to beat it was to stay home. So we stayed home. You don't have to tell Gen X how to beat a deadly virus twice. And I think the reason you don't have to tell us twice is that we came of age during the AIDS epidemic. When people talk about generational markers, I've heard lots of folks claim that the Challenger explosion was a big one for us. That seeing that space shuttle blow up while we watched in our classrooms left a generational imprint on us. And sure, that was a terrible tragedy, but for me, the deaths of those astronauts didn't have nearly the impact that the death of Ryan White had on me. I was 12 when the Challenger blew up, and I was already terrified of a nuclear holocaust. But the Challenger seemed to me like a dangerous situation that led to a logical conclusion. Going to space seemed risky. Of course you might die. But Ryan White was a kid about my age who had AIDS. And while word on the street was he'd gotten it from a blood transfusion there was still a lot of confusion about how a person might contract the awful disease that was shaking up the country. We sort of knew we couldn't get it from touching someone, 
but we couldn't be sure. And maybe kissing was dangerous? I mean, maybe not. Probably not. But it could be. And while Ryan White fought just to be able to attend school, I think my generation, or at least a percentage of my generation in the U.S., had the bejesus scared out of us. It was quite some time before the facts came in on how AIDS was transmitted. And I suspect, as a generation, a lot of our nihilism and cynicism is probably connected to our responses to the AIDS crisis. Some lived fast and died young. Some lived fast and survived. And a lot of us just stood off to the side and made fun of everything because that is a lot safer. We are Beavis and Butthead. We are Mystery Science Theater. We are the footnotes in Infinite Jest. We are Daria. We are Winona Ryder in Beetlejuice and in Heathers and in Reality Bites. Actually, we're more like Janine Garofalo in Reality Bites. It's not her story. She just makes fun of it. I mean, reality bites for us in part because we were formed by the presence of a deadly virus. So we are particularly primed for this new one. That's why you don't have to tell us twice to stay home. That's why we look at crowded gatherings of younger and older people and shake our heads. You don't see us out there trying to dodge the restrictions. We're not throwing parties or socially distanced festivals that are really just people hanging out in pretty normal ways. We're not going out to restaurants as soon as they open. We are at home, where science has told us it's the safest place to be. It's not like Gen X folks are generally rule followers. Believe me, we are not. Dumb rules are made to be broken, and we break them when it makes sense to. It's just that when the rules are clear and clearly there to protect everyone, those are good rules. And we follow the guidelines, with some exceptions, of course. We've talked about that before. Yes, we know how to stay home, entertain ourselves, and eat Pop-Tarts, though most of us don't eat Pop-Tarts anymore, I'd wager. But more than those things, we came of age in a moment dominated by a deadly disease. I watched a few minutes of the Geraldo show from 1990, where he brought in the club kids from NYC's nightlife, and they were explicit about their fashion being a direct response to the AIDS crisis. They say something like, we can't have sex, so we wear crazy clothes. Before now, I didn't think much about the impact AIDS had on Gen X, but I do recognize that defending against an epidemic is a familiar feeling. And it would explain why Gen X has been more vigilant on the whole than other generations. We have practice, actually. We came of age with a deadly virus. We will all try very hard not to die of one now, having made it this far. Yeah, so I think mostly this piece came from my question of, like, why does this feel familiar? <laughs> why, why does being in a pandemic feel like I've done it before? And I have, I mean, obviously, not like this. Not like this. But, um, but there was just this weird familiarity that I couldn't, it took me a second to go like, oh, what, 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 is, what is the familiar feeling? 
And from what I've heard from responses to the blog, uh, I am not alone in that sense. Um, a lot of people seem to uh, resonate with this particular idea. So, for better or for worse, I guess. Uh, yeah, so um, today's song is uh, an Emily Rainbow Davis original. Um, and I am Gen X, so it's inevitably a Gen X song. Also, if you've been with me for the last few years, you know I, I feel like I've hit a lot of Gen X, you know, uh, tunes <laughs> in doing the whole series. I feel like I, 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 I don't, I haven't obviously exhausted Gen X music. It's just like the representative Gen X songs are are well accounted for from that series. So I thought I would go with my own Gen Xness. Um, and this song uh, is one I wrote in my late teens. So I, I was probably still pretty gripped by uh, the fear of, of the AIDS epidemic. Um, but this song has absolutely nothing to do with that. <laughs> Just... Just don't, it's totally, it, and it's a, it's cheery. I figured it would be good to have a kind of a cheery song after uh, a lot of talk about AIDS. So, um, and death and, you know, Ryan White and all of it. So, yeah, so it's a very cheery song. Um, and uh, in case you missed last week, which most of you did, um, which I don't blame you for, um, the other reason to sing the song is that it actually pairs with the previous um, podcast episode. Last week I sang Carly Simon's You're So Vain. Um, and I had to tell the story that goes with that. Um, I will recap briefly. Uh, I wrote a song for this fellow that I had a crush on and, uh, and then played it many years later. And he happened to be in the audience. And later that day, that night, came up and said something like, this is probably a you're so vain, you probably think this song is about you, but I think that song is about me. <laughs> and he was right. Uh, and I was embarrassed. Um, so uh, I, I promised you last week that I would play that song for you. Um, and I was shocked to discover that I've never recorded it before. Um, or at least if I did, I don't have access to those recordings. I'm not sure where they would be if I do have a recording of it. I also totally thought that I played this with the band. But um, when I couldn't remember the lyrics, and I don't have them anymore because they were in a notebook that got stolen on, on my way to grad school. Anyway, it's a long, silly story. Uh, anyway, I checked with the band and I was like, hey, guys, do you guys have a recording of this song? Or maybe you have the lyrics. I'm trying to remember them. And they were like, we never. <laughs> I'm not, that song does not sound familiar. So um, I, anyway, trying to get the lyrics to the song has been a rather big project. I put several people on the case. Um, and in the end, uh, I just pulled them out of my memory, <laughs> which, you know, it's like 3 a.m. I like wake up and go like, oh, I know what that line is. 
And a couple of times I thought I knew when I wrote something down and then, you know, like three hours later, I'd be like, no, that's not it. I just made that up just now. (laughs) So it took some doing to get here. Weirdly, I remembered all the chords. It's just usually the opposite is what happens for me. So um, it's curious. Anyway, I'll play that song for you in just a moment. Meanwhile, thank you so much for listening to this 10,000 Plays podcast. That's where we are. I'm going to have some champagne kava after I record this because I'm going to be getting three plays. I'm fairly certain. Anyway, uh, thank you again for listening. Um, If you would like to support the podcast, you could tell someone about it, share it with someone, post it on the social media. If you'd like to support with your dollars, always appreciated. Uh, Patreon is the prime spot, patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis. Patrons should have gotten their zines in the last week or so. Um, And there's also PayPal and Ko-fi. All those links are in the show notes. Um, And, oh, five stars on on the Apple Podcasts. That is very helpful. Reviews there if you feel like it. Uh, yeah. So anything, any, any way to give us a little extra boost, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah. So here's this song that I wrote in my teens, late teens, maybe I was 20. I don't know. I, somewhere in there. Um, what I still don't know is what gave me away. I think it's the whistling because this guy was a poet and a singer and in his band, whenever, Not whenever, but he did a lot of whistling in his songs. So I think that's what gave me away. Also, you know, I because he was in a band and a poet and I had like recordings, I knew his, you know, art pretty well um, and like sort of climbed inside it. So I, I imagine that it that I expressed it fairly succinctly which must be so weird to hear coming back at you. Like, I can't imagine what it would be like to listen to a song that someone wrote about me, like having listened to like all of these podcasts, for example, or all of my music or, you know, having read every play or something. You know, it's just like there's a way where you could just recognize your aesthetic. I'm guessing that 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 is a factor in his having – Worked it out really easily. <laughs> anyway, um, the other factor is that I'm pretty sure this guy did not know my name. Like, he did not know me. He did not know anything about me as far as I knew. So the fact that he worked out that this complete stranger wrote a song about him is even more uh, weird, remarkable. I don't know. Yeah, I think I don't know whether I just put this song to bed because I was embarrassed once once I once I had that experience or I maybe just like the folks in the band didn't really like it or who knows, but this is actually as far as I know the first recording of this song. It is called Whistle Me to San Francisco.